Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, then you didn't hear part one of Redeemed from Coronavirus. So I'll just give you a quick review. But let me also say what I said last Wednesday. I never dreamt that I would ever have a message entitled Redeemed from Coronavirus. But apparently that's the case. So in review, Colossians chapter 2, look at verses 6 and 7. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus, have you accepted Christ Jesus? as your Lord, then you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And we said our faith is to be rooted and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ our Lord. Our roots are to go down deep in his accomplishments and achievements. Knowing this, that the work he achieved took a great victory to provide for us. He had overcome death, hell, and the grave in order to finish and complete his work of redemption. And then he provides for us all that is necessary to meet our greatest needs. The greatest one, of course, being what? Eternal life. Passing from death to life. Because we're all eternal spirit beings and we're going to spend our eternity in one place or another. One place is bad and the other place is good. Any takers on the bad? I didn't think so. We all want to be in the good place, right? A place of comfort. Well, we also said that his work made us all heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus and heirs of Abraham. The scriptures being in Romans. Look at Romans chapter 8 that reveals this truth. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out a father. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Say it with me. I'm an heir. An heir of God. A joint heir with Jesus. If so be that we suffer with him, we that we may be also glorified together. So here we see that we are also heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. But look at Galatians in the book of Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 29. And if you be Christ's, and we're all Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we're heirs of God, we're joint heirs with Jesus, and we're heirs according to the promise that God made to Abraham. Now look at verses 7 through 9, same chapter. Galatians chapter 3. Know ye therefore, something that he wants us to know. That they which be of faith, and we are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, aren't you glad for that? Preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with, we're blessed with, faithful Abraham. I say these things for a reason. When I say, say I'm blessed, say you're blessed, I'm blessed. There's a reason for that. You need to hear yourself say that you're blessed. Why? Because when someone comes along and says that you're under this curse, uh uh-uh. Stop right there. No, I'm blessed. And we're going to see that a little bit further in a moment. You are blessed. You're an heir of God. You're a joiner with Jesus. You're an heir to the promise of Abraham. 
You have an inheritance among the saints in light. That's who we are. Now as we continue our study, look at Proverbs chapter 18 verse 9. This is from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. Or the Hebrew scriptures, I should say. It's the Septuagint. Look at this verse in Proverbs 18 verse 9. It says, He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. Did you hear that? It's written there for you. Read it for yourself. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. When God created us, he put instincts within us. If you put your hand on a hot stove, are you just going to leave it there? No. You're going to move it away quickly. If you walk outside and it's absolutely freezing outside, you're going to walk out in a pair of shorts? I should really qualify that because some do. Without a t-shirt, <laughs> tank top, it's zero degrees out. Well, we're not following our instincts that God placed within us. And we can give you a list of things that we do instinctively. Why? Because God built us that way. God made us that way. So if you cut your hand and you're bleeding, what do you do? Just let it bleed? Or do you put some peroxide in it or alcohol in it to kill any kind of germs or anything that would cause an infection, bacteria, right? And then you put a band-aid on it, cover it up, and so on and so forth. Why? Because God made us that way. He made the body to heal itself without question. We know that. So, it's up to us to do our part, and God expects us to do our part with regard to protecting ourselves and caring for ourselves physically. So when it comes to something like the coronavirus or any kind of virus, we understand there's different ways we can look at it. Obviously, in the natural, we want to do everything we possibly can to protect ourselves from contracting any kind of a sickness or a disease, correct? All right, so we can avoid, as it says here, close contact with people, stay home if you're sick, cover your mouth when you cough. The new thing is to do this, cover your mouth so that it doesn't spread germs, etc. But also, you have this here in your bulletin. Did you look it up in your bulletin? It should be there copy of it here for you. We put it together for you. This is from the 700 Club. Notice this. Because this is not what you're hearing on television. The media, thank God for what they report, but obviously there's sometimes they can create a pandemonium through fear. Okay? So what you're not going to hear, obviously, is some of this. How do I know I have uh, coronavirus? Well, the symptoms are, they can include a cough, shortness of breath and a fever well what should I do if I think I might have it health experts say most people who contract coronavirus have mild symptoms and do not require hospitalization most why aren't we hearing that it's almost like a death sentence when you even hear the, the word or the term but most people don't it's treated like a cold but I'll get to that in a moment However, if, uh, it goes on to say, however, if you are experiencing severe symptoms, such as difficulty breathing, seek prompt medical attention. And that's wisdom. That's fine. But, but the majority of the people that have contracted it had no problem with it. And what they did was just what they're going to tell you to do here in a moment. Okay, who's most at risk? Doctors say those who experience the most severe case tend to be older, notice not just older, but with 
existing health problems. Why don't we hear that? And then younger people with compromised immune responses can also be at risk. So it's not just older and younger. It's older with health problems. It's younger with immune deficiencies. Those are the ones that are more at risk. Now, how is it treated? Look it up for yourself. Currently, there's no antiviral medication that's used at this point. We know that uh, what's happening is they're trying to put together some kind of uh, vaccine. But in the middle of all that, what we see is this. They treat it like a cold. Pain medication if you need it. Also, cough syrup if you need it. Thirdly, rest. And then finally, what's that last one? A lot of fluids. Armor of God's coming up. <laughs> a lot of fluids. The point is it's treated like a flu symptoms, a virus, or whatever. The ones that are dying from it are elderly that have had problems, other health problems, young ones that have immune deficiencies or immune responses that are deficient, compromised. Those are the ones. So let's not panic over something and overreact to something. I believe there's a lot of uh, media-driven fear out there that's creating problems in people's lives. I mean, when you can't go to Walmart and get TP, there's a problem going on, wouldn't you say? I couldn't believe it. Actually, I wanted to get some water, you know, 32-pack of water, Deer Park water. There's not, even, there's not one bottle of water in the whole store. And they replaced all that with all these juices and stuff like that, but you cannot get one bottle of water. Then we found out some stores were hiding their stuff that supplies in the back for their own people so that we couldn't get it. How about that one? The list goes on and on and on and on. But the point is, we're not saying don't take it seriously. Take it seriously. But also, be reasonable. Not irrational about it. Look at here at the church. The church is thoroughly clean. It's always clean, cleansed. We take measures to do it, especially now. You know, you amp it up a little bit. And make sure that you're disinfecting everything. All the uh, handles and the doorknobs and all the surfaces and all that. We're doing all that. We've got all kinds of soaps in the bathrooms. We've got um, your hand sanitizer that are out there. Use it. We can all do that. These are precautions that we could take for ourselves to see to it that we don't do anything to spread it. But honestly, can we all live in a bubble? We can't live in a bubble. We could do what we can to prevent maybe spreading it. If you know you're sick, stay home. Don't sneeze on somebody. Don't cough on somebody. But also make sure that what you have is just nothing more than a cold. And don't panic over it. And if you're a healthy individual without any immune deficiency, and you're not elderly with a problem, a physical problem, you're going to get over it. And the majority of them have already. All right. Medically speaking, you could look at it. Physically speaking, you, uh, in a natural, we could do it. Holistically, also, we know that there are measures that can be taken. But also, why is it, and this is the thing that really gets to me, if you talk about the natural remedy, no problem. You talk about the medical remedy, no problem. You talk about something you can do spiritually, all of a sudden, look out. Now you're crazy. You're out of your mind. But what is wrong with dealing with something naturally, medically, and spiritually. But the point is this. Many don't want to express what you can do spiritually. And teach it properly. So we're going to take a better look at what we can do. In, from the spiritual perspective. So look at First Peter. 
chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by, the, by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Have we been redeemed by the blood of the lamb without blemish and without spot? Did he go to the cross? Did he suffer and die? Did he shed his blood? Was his blood shed? Did he apply his blood in the high court of heaven to obtain eternal redemption for us? Okay, so we've been redeemed. The question is, what have we been redeemed from? And your average Christian will just say sin. Well, that's part of it. But look at Galatians 3, 13 and 14 to see what we've been redeemed from. And how important it is to teach these truths. Why? It's the foundation for our faith. Christ hath redeemed us not just from sin, but from the curse of the law. Notice, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. For what reason? So we wouldn't have to bear the curse. Aren't you glad for that? It was horrible. But then also that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. On us. And really, when you're in Christ, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew or Gentile. We're all one, a new creation in Christ. So as a result, the blessing of Abraham has come upon everyone who has accepted Christ. Well, what are those blessings that God offered to Abraham? Number one, life. Thank God he was blessed spiritually. Two, physically. Three, financially. Four, longevity. Abraham was blessed in every area of his life. You can't tell me you're not a blessed man when at the age of 140, you can marry Keturah and have six more children with her. Live to be 175 at a good old age and still healthy. Would you call that a blessing? Absolutely. You might call him insane. And I said this on Wednesday evening. I'm not being dogmatic about it. You can pull up some of the articles online. It's from Jewish writings and all that. Many believe that Keturah really was Hagar who was sent out of his house and then was away from him for many years. When Isaac finally got married, he sent for her or went to her and influenced her to go back and marry his father, Abraham. And many Jewish writers believe that. It's one of the traditions that's been handed down. So here once again we see this man being blessed immeasurably. Why? Because of his covenant relationship that he had with God. So God blessed him and those who are his heirs are also blessed with faithful Abraham. It made it very clear. So we could say this, I am blessed with faithful Abraham and be accurate. So what is the curse of the law that we've been redeemed from? You can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first part, the first 14 verses talk about the blessings of obedience. From verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter, it talks about the curses for disobedience. 
So think about this. Put a dividing line between verses 14 and 15 and say, to the left of that are my blessings. To the right of that are curses. Blessings on the left, curses on the right. Which group would you rather be a part of? The blessings, right? All right. So he names all these blessings that people that are in covenant with Abraham should experience. They've inherited. On the other side, of course, there are curses. But let's first of all look at this. The blessings include spiritual blessings, long life, healthy life, physical sickness and disease you could be redeemed from, and then also talks about financial prosperity. So spiritually speaking, you get life, health, and financial prosperity. We're not going to take time to get into all the other ones, but we're talking about sickness this morning, and so we're talking about being blessed with health and also redeemed from sickness. So let's look at these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and keep in mind, these are the curses of the law that God's people have been redeemed from. Look at verse 20 through 22, and this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, so you can understand that's the translation there. If you are disobedient and don't line up with the covenant to the laws of God, the commandments of God, it went on to say, and let me just make this correction from the very beginning, back when these things were written, there were not the way to express it in such a way, so as, I'll put it this way, the Lord will send against you curses, it's not the Lord doing it, you've opened up the door to it, he'll allow them to come upon you. So if you could look at it this way, God's not the one sending the curse on somebody, God's the one who's protecting them from the curse. But because they walk out from beneath the blessing of, of, of through a disobedience, he lifts his hand of protection, and then something can come upon them. So when you read all these things that says, God did it, God did it, God did it, in reality, and if you trust me, if you study the word enough and understand it enough, you'll know God's not doing it. How do I know God's not doing it? Acts 10, 38. Listen to what it says. How God anointed, God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth the Son with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So everybody that Jesus healed was oppressed, not of God, but of the devil. So let's remember that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. When Jesus said this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, should be loosed from this bond, it's a bondage on the Sabbath day, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years. Rheumatoid arthritis is what he was talking about. So if you could see that from that perspective, you understand God's not the one that's doing it. When people come out from the protective covering of God, they expose themselves to the curses that can come upon their lives. The curse causes shall not come, we are told. Okay, 20 through 22. The Lord will send against you curses, confusion, rebuking everything you do until you are destroyed and quickly perish because of, your, because of the wickedness of your actions in abandoning me. Go on. We're going to throw all these scriptures. 27 through 29. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, tumors, festering rash, scabies. Hmm. Scabies. From which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and mental confusion. So that at noon you will grope as a blind man grope in, gropes in the dark. You will not be successful in anything you do. You will only be oppressed and robbed continually. And no one will help you. Go on down. Verse 35. The Lord will afflict you with painful and incurable boils on your knees and thighs. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Stop right there for a moment. You notice that word incurable there? If God deems something incurable, do you think man can come up with a cure? 
No. If God is the force behind a sickness or a disease, man would never come up with a cure if he says it's incurable. And for this reason, we have incurable diseases that man tries to get us over, but very difficult in doing. But I'm telling you, if God was enforcing it, there's no way man would ever come up with a cure. Impossible. Look at the next from 58 through 61. And these are the ones we really want to focus on. If you are not careful to obey all the words of this law, which are written in this scroll, by fearing this glorious and awesome name, Yahweh, your God, he will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, severe and lasting plagues, and terrible and chronic sicknesses. He will afflict you again with all the diseases of Egypt, which you dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also afflict you or allow you to be afflicted with every sickness and plague not recorded in, this, in the book of this law until you are destroyed. Curses. Well, what are we going to do about that? The curses come as a result of what? Disobedience, right? How in the world can we human beings be obedient to all the law? How can we perfectly keep all the law of God? It is impossible for any of us to keep the laws of God. Does that mean we're cursed? Does that mean we're doomed? No. I read somewhere in Matthew's gospel that Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law for you. Jesus fulfilled the law on that cross when he said, it is finished. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. He became the curse. The curse fell upon him once and for all, for all of us. Why? To alleviate us from experiencing the curse. He's the one that walked perfect before the Father. When these two covenant heads came together to negotiate the terms of our covenant with God, I'm telling you, Jesus sat down at the bargaining table and he said to the Father, I want you to know something. If I'm going to die for them, I want them to have everything that pertains to life and godliness. I want them to have life. I want them to have joy. I want them to have peace. I want them to have health. I want them to have prosperity. I want them to have every good thing that we could possibly... Matter of fact, Father, I want heaven on earth among men. And the father looked over and said, okay. Okay. You got it. Christ redeemed us, praise God. Look at in Galatians chapter 3, 13. All these curses fell upon him. Notice this. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Did he hang on a tree? Did he become the curse? of sin, sickness, disease, and mental anguish, it all fell on him, Isaiah 53, right? That's exactly what it says. So say it with me, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And you know what that means? Every sickness and disease, whether it's known or unknown, written or unwritten, recognized or unrecognized, we've been redeemed from. Now, that's a reality. Well, let's put it this way. That's a legality. That legality we're trying to make become a reality with our faith. But if we're not taught these truths, there's no possible way you can have faith to stand against it. So that's why behind our pulpits, we need to proclaim what the Word teaches about our redemptive rights. And the church has suffered in this area for so many, many years. Why? We want all the fancy stuff that's going on and everything. But you know what? It's time to get into the Word of God and find out what the truth is. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. How? When? If you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed. 
And you shall know the truth. Enter into it. And the truth shall make you free. So thank God we can have all kind of wild times. We can hang from chandeliers and jump, hop, holler and shout and all that. But the bottom line is what's underneath you? Is there a foundation? Galatians 3.14. Let's read that. And why did he redeem us? Just so that we don't have, wouldn't have to incur the curse? No. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Notice, we are blessed. We're blessed with faithful Abraham. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. We're blessed with faithful Abraham, and this takes it a step further. All praise, this is the new living, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some, a few, minor ones, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or realms because we are united with Christ. Are we, are we united with Christ? Then say it with me, I'm blessed. With every spiritual blessing. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're blessed, how can you be cursed? How can you be cursed? How can we be cursed if we're blessed? Look in the book of Numbers chapter 23 and verse 8. If you remember the story of Balaam and Balak. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? Verses 19 and 20. Verse 19 is a, a very popular verse, but don't take away from it what is necessary to understand. Verse 20. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the, or he's not human, so he does not change his mind. He, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I can't reverse it. Whom God has blessed can't be cursed. And when I hear Christians today talking about, I'm under a generational curse, of this curse, of that curse, whatever curse, really? Look, it's one or the other. Either you're blessed or you're cursed. Which do you want? You know what faith says? I believe I'm blessed and not cursed. I'm under the blessing, not the curses. Your faith is in action when you recognize I'm blessed. So when they say all these things about this curse came on me, this curse came on me. Demons can't curse you. Witchcraft can't curse you. Sorcery can't curse you. You can't be cursed. There's only one way you can be cursed. Right there. If you say you are cursed. But if you start saying I'm blessed, I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the store. And so on. Blessed in the fruit of my kind my sheep, my body, whatever, my family. The blessing of the Lord is upon us, okay? And it's because of our union with Christ that we are blessed. So it's up to us. Are we blessed or are we cursed? Don't open the door to a curse by declaring that you have it. Here's a testimony of Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman. She was a medical doctor who was really got caught up in using some kind of medications for herself. And she got to the point to where she overdosed so many times on prescription drugs that she was dying. And she was doing this because of her research, just trying to stay up and stay awake and et cetera, et cetera. Long story behind her life. But she wasn't a Christian at the time. But then it, after that, she was dying. And while she was dying, this medical doctor 
what happened was she got a hold of this message of faith. And she re received the message that she's been redeemed from the curse of the law. She applied the principle to her own body, to her own life, and she was healed by the power of God. And once healed by the power of God, she recognized that even though there are other methods and means whereby we can help other people, one was being neglected, and that was the spiritual aspects of it. And so what she did was she opened up her beautiful home, and she had one helper with her. She, had, when she would take in patients that were giving up, given up by medical science to die. In one case, this woman had TB in the last stage of it. It's called consumption in the Bible. Isn't that something that consumption was already mentioned way back when? Before man even knew what consumption was? We call it tuberculosis. Well, she was up in the upstairs room and she had another patient in the downstairs room. She opened up her house to two patients that were critical and at the point of death. Let's put it that way. They were given up by medical science to die. Nothing more could be done for them. And so what she did was when she got this one patient upstairs, she said to her, I want you to listen to me in every waking moment that you have. I want you to say, according to Deuteronomy 28, 22, consumption is a curse of the law, or tuberculosis is a curse of the law. According to Galatians 3, 13, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. And I want you to say it over and over and over and over and over and she let her go. As days would go by, she kept on saying it, but she said to uh, Dr. Yeoman, she said, um, I know I'm saying this, but I don't understand it. She said, just keep on saying it. Just keep on saying it. She said, I've been saying it like a million times. One day, Dr. Yeoman is downstairs with the other patient, and she hears someone upstairs making a lot of noise. And she knows there's nobody up there but that patient. All of a sudden, this woman comes running down the stairs, takes her by the shoulders and says, Dr. Yeomans, Dr. Yeomans, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. Tuberculosis is a curse of the law. I no longer have tuberculosis. And they started shouting to both of them together, rejoicing in her complete healing and wholeness. She was at death's door. But you know what? You should know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And that's how she got her freedom. Well, how does that affect us? Pull up Deuteronomy 28:61 once again. Notice what it says. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written, so it could be written or unwritten, it could be known, unknown, recognized or unrecognized, named or unnamed, he is saying, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until you're destroyed. So that means every sickness and every disease, whether it's been written, named, or known back then, you've been redeemed from. Or if it's something that's written now, known now, named now, we've been redeemed from. He covered a base with everything. Every base is covered. We've been redeemed from it. So whether it's known or unknown, named or unnamed, written or unwritten, we've been redeemed from it. Coronavirus, we've been redeemed from. That's a legality, but faith makes it a what? Reality. So this is what I wrote out for us. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed me or us from coronavirus. Therefore, coronavirus can't touch my body. It is written, there shall no evil befall me or any plague come nigh my dwelling. Psalm 91 verse 10. And if you look on the back of your handout from the 700 Club, it's listed there for you, the Psalm of Protection. 
I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, you're my refuge and fortress in God. In thee will I trust. Surely you'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the noise and pestilence. You'll cut me with your feathers under your wings, I trust. Your truth is my shield and buckler. I'm not afraid of the terror of night or the air that flies by day or the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction of waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand. It will not come nigh unto me. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because I made the Lord God my refuge, even the most high my habitation, there shall no evil befall me or any plague come down my dwelling. You give your angels charge over me to keep me on my ways. They bear me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. I tread upon the lion and adder, young lion and dragon, I trample beneath my feet. And because I set my love on you, you deliver me and set me on high because I know your name. And when I call upon you, answer me. You're with me in trouble. You deliver me and honor me. And with long life you satisfy me and show me your great and glorious salvation. That's a vaccination. That's a vaccine. Amen. Well, has the blood been shed? Yes, at Calvary, right? How many of you know, though, the blood being shed is not enough? It's not enough. I want to prove it to you. Look in the book of Exodus. When they were coming out of Egypt, they had to kill a sacrificial lamb. And once that sacrificial lamb was killed, they had to eat the lamb. Roast it, eat it all. Every part had to be gone. But then the blood would be caught in a basin. So let's read the scriptures. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now notice this, 12 through 14. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over. Pass over. Hence we get the word what? Passover, I will pass over, which actually means that he's going to protect you from the plague. When the death angel, so to speak, passes over and sees the blood, where? Inside, caught in the basin, inside the house? Uh uh. Where is it? It's applied to the doorpost and upper post of the house. And when I see the blood applied, I will pass over you. I will protect you. Praise God. And you will not lose your firstborn. All right. Was it just a shed blood that was sufficient? No. You could have that bowl full of blood inside your house. You ate the meal, the lamb. And there it is sitting in there. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. You see, maybe you just painted your door. And it was really white. And you didn't want to mess it up. Get all that blood all over my doorpost and 
upper posts of my house. Why would I want to do that? Have you ever, we should learn something. If, if God says something to do, we should just what, do it. Nike didn't coin that expression. Just do it. Do what God said to do. The blood that was shed was not sufficient. The blood applied made the difference. When you applied it, he saw it. When he saw you applied it, he passed over you, protected you, skipped over you. Has the blood of Jesus been shed? Yes. Has it been applied to every human being on the planet? No. If it was his shed blood alone, that would have been great. But no. I know people, you know people, that will not apply the blood to their lives. Well, how am I going to apply the blood? Do I get a paintbrush and pretend? No. But since you asked, look at Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. The blood of the Lamb is applied today, not with a paintbrush, but with the tongue. The tongue is what we use to apply the blood of Jesus Christ. And when a person says, I'm in a blood covenant relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The blood was shed for my redemption and it bought my ransom. It was paid for me to be free from sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, and every power of darkness. So therefore, you could tell someone who's unsaved that they have not yet applied the blood of Jesus to their life. It was shed for them, but not applied by them. So therefore, how are they going to do it? Romans chapter 10 tells us exactly how to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives. But what saith it? The word is near you, and even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know how a person applies the blood? By doing this. You're a sinner, and you come to understand that Jesus died for your sins. And then you're told you can live for yourself or you can live for Christ. You can spend your eternity in the realms of darkness forever and be in torture. Or you can come to Christ and accept him, and you can live with him in comfort and joy that's unspeakable throughout eternity. But it's up to you to make the decision to apply the blood to your life. How do I apply that blood? I apply that blood by saying, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for my justification. I believe he is the savior of the world and therefore by the word of my testimony, I testify to the truth that Jesus is the redeemer of all mankind. And so therefore, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. I accept you as my savior. I accept you as my Lord. I will serve you, live for you, honor you all the days of my life. I thank you right now for coming into my life. And guess what? He washes you from your sin in his own blood and makes you a king and a priest before him. What's that got to do with the coronavirus? It's the same principle. If we're running scared and we speak words of doubt and unbelief, we open up the door through fear to the enemy and his activities. 
But when we start looking at this in reality and say, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from the power of sin, sickness, disease, mental anguish, and it goes on and on. I've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. All the powers of darkness I've been redeemed from. So therefore, you're going to take a stand against the uh, coronavirus. How? Number one, stay clean. Use your soap. Use your whatever you use. Brillo pads. Boy, that dates me, doesn't it? Do they make them anymore? Brillo pads? They still do. We got to get a few. Um, <laughs> you use hand sanitizer. Do it. Cover yourself when you cough. Do it. Stay away if you're sick. Do it. If your immune system is compromised, then protect yourself. Do it. If it comes to you're an elderly person with other health issues, stay away. Do it. Do what you need to do. If you're already, if you're contracted it, whatever, and they tell you to have some rest, have some chicken soup, whatever, do it. If you need some pain reliever, take it. If you need cough medicine, take it. If you are to the point where they said you're breathing heavy, go to the hospital and get some better help that you need. But why stop there? Why stop there? Why does it seem like as though that if man can't do anything about it, then there's nothing that can be done about it. But you know what? Take it the next step further. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed according to Deuteronomy 28, 61 from every sickness, whether it's known, unknown, name, unnamed, written, unwritten. I've been redeemed from. So therefore, Galatians 3, 13, I've been redeemed because he made the, he was made the curse for me. I boldly say, coronavirus, you can't stay in my body. Fight with the good fight of faith as well. Not just natural, not just medical, but spiritual as well. One time I was caught out, I was taken out there in the parking lot of our church because someone had died. And I'm telling you, I was abused by these two individuals. These two women came out there and just started ripping me apart and said, she died because of you. She died because of you. It's your fault. It's what you teach. And I mean, they were going on and on and on and on, just belittling me and berating me. I didn't say a word. Finally, there was another fellow who was there from the medical profession. He walked over and saw the ruckus that was taking place and said, excuse me, let me ask you a question, sir. I said, go ahead. What do you think about sickness and disease and what do you think about treating it in a person's life? How do you deal with it? I said, I believe in dealing with it in every way we can, holistically, naturally, medically, and also spiritually. And I have never denied anybody any kind of help, medical help of any sort. We're all fighting the same sickness, disease, and devil. Use everything we possibly can to stand against it. And that includes a spiritual perspective as well. He looked at those two ladies and just said, I never heard it said better than that. Don't blame him for anything. That's the right perspective and walked away. And of course, they were ashamed because of what they said. And they walked away. Oh, it's important that we understand we need to use every resource that we have. And as far as our gathering here, we never told, we were never told that we can't gather for church. Not at all. Some places, 250 people can still gather. 
But the church has never been said you can't gather. If they told us you can't gather but more than 250, we would have 249 and dismiss. Have another service, 249 and dismiss. Church is not about, if I could say it this way and with all respect, watching, viewing it, let's say, uh, by live streaming. That's a good way if you can't be here. But church is about coming together, loving God, loving people. It's all about praying for people, sharing with each other, lifting each other up. And that's why there's a gathering. They gathered together in the name of Jesus and they worshiped him. Thank God for all convenience of technology that we have. But also let's not be scared off. If there's a mandate, we'll follow whatever mandate they have, but we'll do it exactly how we're supposed to do it, the right way. That okay? You still out there or have you gone home? Let's all stand up before the Lord.